Do you think some organizations have a structure by default or do you think they truly design it? Most have a structure by default. Welcome to the Ed Epley Experience. 20 minutes that simplifies the complex job of managing and leading people and inspires you to take action on what you probably already know to build and sustain a smart and healthy business. Here's your host, Ed Epley, to introduce this week's guest and business leader. Welcome to the Ed Epley Experience. It's your time to learn from experts about ideas that they have for you operating a more sustainable and successful and profitable business. We're focused today on the concept of structure. It's near and dear to my heart. I have long believed that 50% of the problems that most companies have are directly or indirectly related to some issue that they have with their structure, but they may not identify. They, they actually may show up as symptoms of other things. Regardless, We've got a guy with us today who's been with us before. He's Bill Hutter. And Bill's a, a personal friend, a very successful CEO in his own right. And I thought if there's anybody who could share ideas and wisdom with regard to structure, it would be Bill. Bill, for those who have not heard you on our podcast before, why don't you give them a little bit of background about who you are, where you've been, what you've done in your career? Well, it always starts with being an Ohio guy and filled with common sense married to the young lady I met in Sunday school a long time ago, so that really helps with stability and support. I tended to be a business fixer, started my career in the restaurant business, and I worked for people that uh, made money elsewhere and thought it would really be fun to get into a restaurant and own a restaurant, and then they would go, holy mackerel, what kind of business is this? And then they would hire a guy like me to come in and fix the operations. And it was typically on a three to five year gig. And then I would look for the next project. That led to my understanding that really people are the most important asset in any business. And I, out of that, I formed a, an HR outsourcing and consulting company in 1995. And uh, we had a pretty nice track record, um, exited that company after you know, three or four spin outs and technology companies and everything else that's affiliated with it exited that company. Actually, it's November 1st, 2017, I retired. They told me I was no longer needed. So I went, thank you very much. And I went off into the sunset. So And you've, and you've become a professional traveler since then. You I have become Jerry a professional, a professional traveler that was part of the plan and, and, uh, with blessing, we have been able to achieve that objective. You yeah, know? And, and, and then some. Well, that's great. So for the benefit of the audience, structure, as we're going to discuss it today, I'm going to define is the way we deploy our resources. And resources are financial, they're people, they're intellectual property, their facilities, equipment, and, and also our time. And so anything that we do that directly affects the, dis the deployment of those, we would say is part of the structure. Are you okay with using that as a, a definition? Yes. Okay. So where do you see the connection between the strategy of a business and the structure that the business uses, if any? You know, it, it's, it's really a, it starts with vision, and it starts with the individual that is going to push the organization. 
whether um, he or she is ready to satisfy the vision. You know, you know a lot of times I, I have found with our, our clients that varied from, you know, eight employees, mom and pop shops up to really Fortune 500 companies. In the small to mid-sized business, um, somebody starts out with an idea, but they're, they're, they're built wrong for it. They're, they don't have the right financing or they outstrip their growth is so fast. They've outstripped the finance. They don't have enough money to sustain. They run out of skill set and they're afraid to hire somebody else in. So you can't say it's one or the other. It is an integrated approach of all those items, all the laundry list that you you listed, Ed. You 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 got to know where you're going. You got to know how you're going to get there, and you better have the tools to achieve it. Do Do you think some organizations have a structure by default, or do you think they truly design it? Most have a structure by default. Why do you think that is? You you know because I don't I, I, I'm not sure that a lot of people in the early stages of an organization really understand that, and. You know, the best way I can talk about it is a little bit about myself. Early on in uh, in our formation of the company and the growth, I knew exactly what we needed to achieve. I had a, a very definitive cash flow plan and a growth objective. And I set my first uh, stake in the ground at nine months. I knew where I had to be at nine months to achieve the next level. But then I, I kind of got into a quandary where, you know, I had to transition from being the top sales guy, you know, head honcho, cheerleader into being a CEO. And that was a very difficult transition. So that's all part of what, what I, I hope you're leaning toward is structure. And those are very difficult transitions. We probably had to remake our organization in a major way four times through a 20 plus year track record. Is it easier to change your strategy or your structure? Uh, they, they go they go hand in hand. The strategy must evolve with the objectives of the business. You know, we, we actually we would actually do consulting and, you know, there's actually a book out to this. What got you here won't get you there. Right. I think it's Goldsmith that wrote that book, if, if I remember yeah. correctly. You know, I got it over there on the bookshelf, but I don't, you know. Yeah, I think that's who it was. But, uh, but it, it's it's it, it is a fundamentally important idea for the organization to be able to adapt through uh, the phases of growth or the phases of downturn. Right, right. I, um, I, I, the, the reason I'm questioning this about structure or strategy, because I've always had the opinion that I can decide that I'm going to change the direction of the company intellectually very quickly. That's a, that's a decision that can be made in a, in a period of, you could almost say seconds. We're going to get bigger, we're going to get smaller. That's not, that's, that in and of itself is not a long time to make that choice if you choose to, to be quick about it. But if once I say I'm going to get bigger, then I have to have a structure that supports that. 
And the ability to make that change, I've always found, is infinitely harder than the decision to run the business differently, strategically. So that's, that's in my mind, that's how I've seen it work. Well, that, that's the execution of the strategy. Um, and the reality of it is the CEO, the leader, is not the one that executes the strategy, right? He preaches the strategy. He cheerleads the strategy. He or she goes out and talks to people all the time about what the strategy is and the why. But the belief must be pushed down into uh, into the front line. Because that's really what controls the, the tone and temperament and pace of the company. If you don't get people to believe that, it's not going to change. If in your, in your work with your clients, forgetting now your own organization, did you talk about the, did you use the word structure or did you simply talk about you've got, you've got the wrong person in this role or you've got, you don't have enough salespeople. So did you talk about the components of the structure or did you use the term structure in your conversations with clients? We, we didn't use the term structure. I, I, we would explain it in terms of a story, right? It's always a story is always much easier to understand. And I would use it from an inventory management perspective, right? If you want to build something, if you're a car manufacturer, you're a small shop and you want to build an engine, you better have all the parts in the parts room to build the engine. You can have the best plan in the world. You can have an idea. You can have everything else. But when you go to the parts room, you open up the door and you look at the parts room. If you don't have the parts, you're not building the engine. Okay. So after you lay out the strategy, then you better align the structure, right? Which is the parts in the parts room to be able to accomplish that. And that, that impacts people. And that's a very difficult accomplishment if people feel threatened by the change. Is it harder to change structure the bigger the company gets? Oh, yeah, because people get embedded. They take ownership in their role, in their position. And when you start to move pieces around, people start to look over their shoulder and go, oh, what's coming? Who's next? What's happening? And that, again, I'm going to go back to leadership where it's leadership's objective to speak to the vision and the objective and the why. Um, And you got to talk about it. You got to talk about it more and you got to talk about it more and you got to talk because it gets distorted. Right. 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 It gets distorted and it gets tweaked by everybody through their own lens. Right. Right through how they see what's going to impact them is how that vision gets tweaked. So when we would go into clients and help them, I'm going to say remove roadblocks because that's really what they are. They're roadblocks. Yeah. I like it's an analogy. Yeah. You know, we wouldn't, we would start with leadership, but then we would go all the way down. We go three levels down and talk to people and and try to see if they understand in a concurrent, in a real time, what the leadership is talking about. And most of the time, it's, you know, it, it truly is sending a secret around the room. It gets, you it know, gets convoluted. No question. It gets convoluted because everybody tweaks it just a little bit, not on, so, sometimes on purpose. That's a different issue. 
but most of the time, not because they want to, but because that's their worldview. Yes. Yeah. There, and it's, it's, I found it to be very seldom is it intentional that somebody is trying to fight what you're asking them to do in, in terms of running a better business. They, they, if, they, if they're fighting it, it's because either they don't understand it or they feel threatened. They, and, and most of, you know, the number one is threatened. And that threatened, that, that feeling of being threatened is created by uncertainty. So if they're not sure where the organization is headed and how they are going to fit into the future, right? If you leave that open, they become threatened oh, and yeah. they'll become protective of their spot because we all have families and mortgages and obligations and and, and, and just for our listeners, uh, another thing to keep in mind, when you, what we're talking about here is some level of confusion that an individual would have or a team could have about what's going on. And as confusion goes up, individual and team's uh, abilities to focus goes down. Right. And, and, and with, with, with when there's an inability to focus, then productivity is going to suffer, quality is going to suffer. It's it's just a bad bad news all the way around. So the, the the advice Bill's giving about starting with leadership to make sure that 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 communication is clear and understood and driven throughout the organization is is really good advice based upon what I've seen. And we would talk about the parking lot vetoes. Explain. You know, typically when an organization is going through change or somebody wants to accomplish something, they lay out a plan, and there's. There's a group of, you know, the, 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 the front line that you're, you're talking to. There's can easily become someone in the group that says, hey, Ed, did you agree with what he was saying? You know, did you understand that? You know, I'm not, I'm not really sure that I, I'm on board with this because maybe I don't understand. So, why don't you and I, a couple guys go out and get a beer after work. Let's go out and talk about it, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, then the pot gets stirred. Oh boy. Right. Sure. does. That's the parking lot veto. And again, it's not necessarily malicious, but it sure is harmful. So, I, I, I was doing a session one time uh, with a bunch of um, <clears throat> city bureaucrats. And I, so I use that as kindly as I can say. And there was a uh, gentleman who was with the local sheriff's department. He came in with his gear on, his gun, and he's, you know, his cuffs still hanging on. He thought he would. And, and he said, I disagree with that. That would never happen in my organization, right? Because there's a chain of command and I'm in charge, you know? And so we did a role play around it and he, he realized how quickly something can get out of bounds <laughs> because chain of command doesn't do it. Correct. Doesn't change how people feel. It, no. Or how they interpret what they're told, how they think about it, how they're going to execute their role individually without clear definition of objective and why. 
did you have a checklist of how to decide how ready an organization was for change of yeah. any kind? Very much so. Is, do, you, do you recall any of the steps or the components of it, of, of what that would look like? There was a formula. So let me say that it, it's, it's not magic. Really, it's, it's just process. And the, the process was done through interviews, through one-on-one interviews with a variety of people to find out if they were really aligned with the overall culture of the organization first, right? Because every company, every company is unique in its culture. Every company has a unique fingerprint and it's created by the organization. So any kind of change has to work within that culture. So if a culture is set up with one of autocratic leadership, top-down leadership, change is going to be very difficult because people are going to resist because they're not part of it. Likewise, on the other side, if it is complete, if the leader is never accountable and always moves everything out to to their subordinates because they never want accountability, that is also very difficult. So, So someplace in the middle when you find out that the organization is pretty healthy and the trust level is high, they're more ready for change than any of the other people, any of the other organizations on. So, so it's really a measurement of trust and of social network. Explain that, please. So there's a higher, you know, there's a hierarchy, right? There's a, you know, an org chart, but the org chart doesn't get stuff done the social network in a company that gets stuff done. And a lot of times it's the unofficial or, or unanointed leaders that move an organization forward because there's high trust among their coworkers. So when, when somebody is having a problem with something, they won't necessarily go to their leader, but they'll go to somebody who's kind of a, maybe a senior coworker and go, Hey, Ed, how's this? Can you explain this to me? How's this work? Right. Yeah. yeah. So that kind of social system is what allows organizations to move forward. So as part of our effort, whenever we were doing, we w- we wanted to find out who those unanointed leaders were. Yeah. <laughs> because that's who we focused on. In the military, those are the sergeants. That might be. Yeah. yeah. In the military, the you know the captains, lieutenants are the the formal leaders, but. The, 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 the enlisted people, the, the people who are the individual contributors oftentimes, and I'm basing this on not only my personal experience, but ex- the people I know who are ex-military, they would say you had to get the, the sergeants on board. And once they got on board, they would get everybody else on board. But, yeah. but, but, the, but the, these were the influential people. And that's what you're talking about. I mean, and, it, and go ahead. Go ahead. It's amazing how many organizations don't know who those people are. They don't think about it. Right. Yeah. Those yeah. are the steadies. Yes. Those are the people you better have tucked in your back pocket. Yeah. Yeah. And I would even go so far, Bill, uh, on my own experience, I would invest time and energy with my thought leaders. Uh, yeah. I would I would try to make a, a deposit in that relationship well in advance of any time I was going to make a withdrawal because there are going to be times where where you need the benefit of the doubt. 
uh, you need to say, trust me. And if, if those people aren't, you know, in a position where they can, uh, you know, take your word for the intent it's, it has, that it's just going to be good for you and for the organization, you're going to have problems. So, so that whatever change you're going to go through is going to be much tougher. So it's going to be really hard. Yeah. The, and the other part of that change, and I'm going to go back to the parts room analogy is talent. You know, we've all read this stuff. You got to have the right people in the right seat on the bus, but it's really more complicated than that because there's ego involved. And, you know, too often mid-size organizations think the hierarchy, they're the smartest people. And a lot of times they just really aren't the smartest people. And you better, you better be hiring talent if you're going <laughs> to, you're going to drive change. And, and for a lot of leaders that that is their ego gets really bruised well and and i see that i'm going to make a gross generalization but i tend to see this more play out in professional services companies than i do anywhere else so when when degrees and knowledge work is the primary <laughs> uh, exchange of, of value for the organization then people will put a lot of credence on the fact that they have multiple initials behind their name and all that kind of stuff. You know, on the consulting side, it took us a lot of money to learn that we, that, that PhDs were not very, <laughs> very good at really anything other than academics. <laughs> and we hired some very high very highly qualified, very highly credentialed, ah, credentialed people. <laughs> our our mutual friend, Dr. Ted Prince, was <laughs> one of those guys who spoke the blasphemy of there is no correlation between uh, education, formal education, and the ability to make money. And uh, yeah. and, and yet, I've, I've seen it proven out time after time. Time and time again. Yeah. You know, it, it's, oh, it, they can't, they, the majority. Yes. Yes. Not all. Right. They can't function in, in the, you, you know, sometimes in business, you got to get down in the dirt. You know yes. what I mean? Like, you gotta, it's. Whew. How do you know if, for example, if you've got just, let's just talk about people right now. How do you. What, are, what would you would tell you that you should consider the fact that you got the wrong hierarchical structure for a business that you have either too few people reporting to somebody or too many that 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 you need uh, to operate by business unit rather than by functional structure? I, I'm just curious about it, it, are there clear symptoms for that that because in my mind, that's where oftentimes there's this confusion about what a problem are we really addressing? Is it a symptom or is it the problem? You address it after you've waited too long is the <laughs> common theme. <laughs> Boy, is that the truth. <laughs> and I'm no different. You know, I, I am, I'm no different. You know, I, I, I had those problems repeatedly and it every I, I don't know anybody that has in my experience, I don't know anybody that has done it proactively. 
you know, to get, you know, to get to to be able to eliminate a problem person. I just you, you don't know till it starts to fester. There can be hints, but, you know, like most humans, we tend to anybody that made the decision to bring that person on is going to rationalize their decision. Most of the people that I know of, including myself, have always waited too long to eliminate a problem person uh, or address a set of circumstances that should have been addressed earlier. Yeah. The only problem is you only learn that on hindsight. It, it, it's really hard. And I would say that bias that we would have about hoping that we made the right choice in an individual, we would first maybe say that the system or the process is broken before we would say it's the person. Yes. Yeah. You know, I had a person that the uh, one of our finance people said they thought he was misappropriating funds. And I went, no way, no way. You've made a mistake on those credit cards. You know, that's just impossible, right? <laughs> no way. This guy lives in a big house in New Albany, you know. Ah. I had to hire a forensic accountant to come in to track down the money <laughs> that mysteriously disappeared. Yeah. Before I would believe, because I, this guy came really highly recommended, you know, and well connected. And I'm like going, why would somebody, you know, it just, right. you know, and, and Jerry says, that's my biggest weakness is I trust everybody. Right. So Jerry's my wife, by the way, for the crowd, you know, and, and I do because that's how I tend to, you know, live life. I, that I think is a very positive trait. Well, let's, we're coming up against our window of, of time to, to finish this up. If, if somebody, if somebody is going to optimize their ability to execute their strategy, is that something that they should just do all the time is question that, or is that something that you do more on a, like on a quarterly basis, you and the executive team sit around the table and talk about how effectively are we executing? How efficiently are we executing? I, I'm, I'm curious about whether it's an activity that's separate and discreet, or if it's just part of the ongoing operation of the business. It's part of the ongoing operation of the business and Anybody who's been around long enough knows when the business is humming, when things are working and things are rolling and, you know, it's working and, you know, there's not a lot of conflict in your supply chain and your productivity is right and you don't have a lot of customer complaints. It's a very holistic system yeah. that needs to, you need to have your ear to the ground all the time to that. And with the level of technology that is available right now, it's much easier than when you had to do it by, you know, putting your finger up to the wind and putting an ear to the ground and, you know, looking at, you know, the financial reports are only history, right? You got to do it really on a concurrent basis as rapidly as everything works in today's business environment. But you got to do it by talking to people. Right. It, you got to go talk to your frontline. Is this working? You get support here. You get support here. Are there problems here? You get this. Listen to client comments. I mean, it's got to come from 
all at all those avenues tell you whether the business is humming. Excellent. Excellent. He's Bill Hutter. He's a treasured resource to Ed Epley, and he's a great friend. He's a, he's a good man. Bill, if people would like to know more, would we want to reach out and talk with you at all? What's the best way for them to reach you? You know, really probably email at bhutter five zero. And Hutter is H-U-T-T-E-R. So once again, bhutter five zero at AOL. Old school. Yeah, I, I got one of those yet. I got you know. One. Too damn hard to change. Yeah, I hear you. Bill, thank you so much. As always, a lot of good ideas and help. We'll certainly look forward to your next visit to the Ed Epley Experience. Thank you. Ed, I hope it's been helpful. Thank you very much. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Ed Epley Experience. For more information on building a more sustainable, smarter, and healthier business, visit www.theepleygroup.com for resources, tips, and Ed's latest blogs. That's theepleygroup.com. Plus, take a free assessment at theepleygroup.com slash assessment to find out how you measure up as a highly skilled and accomplished manager and where to focus on improving your skills.